Don't want to work forever? Once you can cover your living expenses with passive income, your day job becomes optional and you reach financial independence. You then have complete control over your time, your money, and your life in general. Spark Rental founders Denny Suplee and Brian Davis, me, are here to help you build rental income, ditch your day job, and do what matters most to you. So on that note, let's jump into today's episode, which, like all of our episodes, was recorded live. Hey guys, happy Tuesday. Brian Davis here from Spark Rental. Uh, Denny is taking this week off, and I am super excited to be hosting Brian Thorpe, the founder of Wealth Tender. So Brian, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, my pleasure, Brian. Appreciate it. Yeah. So last week, Denny and I talked about how to invest in real estate through a self-directed IRA. This week, we are diving into all things investing and how the official investment management world interacts with the, the FIRE community and the real estate investing community. So to give you a quick background, Brian Thorpe is a wealth planner who founded wealthtender.com, which connects you with the right financial professional for your unique needs, because let's face it, we all have unique financial needs, uh, which means there's no one size fits all uh, financial planning professional for us. So Brian, let's just, let's start at the very beginning with your early career, your, your background in wealth planning and how that set you up for the later stages in your career. Sure, appreciate it. So went to University of Texas in Austin and actually minored in real estate. Uh, my first job out of college was working for a mortgage company where in the late 90s, we were actually working with a lot of uh, homeowners, predominantly in the state of California, that were underwater and spending a lot of time working to restructure their loans. So that was certainly an interesting experience and a little gut-wrenching at times. And since then have uh, always been interested in, in real estate, have owned various rental properties myself, still have a rental property in Austin actually, and uh, concurrent with a, a lot of the real estate investing on the side, spent 22 years at Invesco, a large global asset management company where I was most recently the head of the key account team. We worked with wealth management firms, financial advisors around the country. And a couple of years ago, I had an opportunity to uh, pursue more of an entrepreneurial endeavor and launched wealthtender.com, as you mentioned, which is a website focused on helping connect people to the right financial advisors, or if they're not ready to work with a financial advisor, financial coaches, as well as educating people on personal finance blogs and podcasts that may be valuable resources for them as well. All right. Well, there's there's so much that you said that I want to <laughs> dive into sure. deeper. So let me just start, let's start with your your rental properties uh, and your current property in Austin. Uh, Austin has done really well over the last year, real estate wise. Uh, so I'm sure that has been nice for you. But uh, yeah, tell us about your your earlier real estate investments. Um, some some maybe some lessons that you came out of with those. I I certainly got burned many times with real estate investments and learned some lessons the hard way. Uh, so yeah, tell us about your your history as a real estate investor. Yeah, well, I, I think to to sum it up. Buy real estate in Austin, and <laughs> and that's the way to go. You know, my, my first real estate property was actually a, a small condominium uh, near in the university area, which was actually in the, the very late 90s. And the experience there worked out well because the economy in Austin had actually uh, tanked and really wasn't doing that well and had since come back. And so 
that, that ended up working out well. And then the most recent property that I purchased was in 2010, where the economic crisis had really dampened prices throughout the country, not as much in Austin as in other cities that suffered much worse, but it still provided a great entry point, which, you know, as you mentioned, with the market truly on fire there now, it's proven to be a, a really terrific investment. Um, but I, I do think it brings up the, the point of, uh, you know, real estate, location, location, location. Austin has been such a dynamic city. It's such a great place to be, continues to grow. It's exciting to see from a, an investment perspective, the continued migration of people coming from California and elsewhere. And I think naturally uh, purchasing real estate in a location like that, where you have growth, where you have a good tax environment, you know, not no state income tax is really beneficial as well. So a lot of things that um, have done well. And in terms of uh, real estate investments that maybe haven't worked out as well, uh, just fairly recently, we sold, uh, fortunately, a condominium in Houston that uh, in more ways than one, let's say we were underwater on it. So, you know, one of my tips for your audience would be if the name of the condominium complex has the name of a, a natural body of water in it, like Bayou, <laughs> um, that might not be necessarily uh, simply the nice view that you should be looking for, but rather uh, be wary that perhaps that bayou could someday in a major flood come into the building and then you know you get to deal with all those problems and maybe not get the return that you were looking for. So big lesson learned on that one. Well, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've lost properties to, to many different disasters over the years, you know, some tenant caused, some natural. I've never lost a property to flooding, I don't think. But, uh, you know, knock on wood, hopefully that <laughs> is not in my future. So uh, you you have a background in the traditional um, world of financial planning and investing. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the FIRE movement, you know, financial independence, sure. retire early, because it seems that the traditional finance world uh, has a, a split reaction to the fire movement. It seems like some people are all about it and other people are very skeptical to the point of being scornful of it. So where do you come down on that? Yeah, I think it aligns with different mentalities that different people have. And, you know, I'll, I'll perhaps be a little stereotypical in, in this assessment, but for somebody who naturally wants to work in a very stable environment and have that um, stability of a corporate job for the next 40 years, they may not be as inclined to participate in the FIRE movement as somebody who has more of an entrepreneurial spirit that wants to be more of a self-starter and perhaps on their own and take some additional risks. Um, although I wouldn't suggest that to participate in the FIRE movement, you necessarily need to take risks. I think you could still have a corporate job and be interested in just more of the stability that that offers, but have a frugal mindset so that you're putting enough money into your savings and investments and, and living more um, within your means so that you may be able to retire sooner and achieve that level of financial independence um, that many people are looking for. But I think generally what we see is amongst the FIRE community, a lot of people that do have that entrepreneurial drive, they're looking for different ways to um, find passive income and other ways to be their own boss and not necessarily have to spend the next 20 or 30 or 40 years working for a larger employer, um, even if they're not truly financial independent, still have to perhaps um, find ways to generate income, but have that independence in the, in, the, in the spirit of control and the ability to work for yourself as opposed to somebody else. Yeah, you know, in, in my household, my wife has a, a, a salary job with excellent benefits and um, 
you know, it's, it's quite stable and reliable. And, you know, that frees me up to do more of the entrepreneurial thing. <laughs> uh, and it's a great combination, actually. Uh, you know, we have her income and benefits as a foundation. And then, you know, that frees me up to pursue some potentially higher reward entrepreneurial ventures, but also some higher risk entrepreneurial ventures. Uh, but, you know, out there in the fire community, I've, I've interviewed a lot of people who, like you said, were either very entrepreneurial and had, you know, a dozen side hustles going. Uh, and I've interviewed both people who had a, a nine to five job with strong salary, strong benefits, uh, or even just a mid-level salary, um, and, but good benefits. And they just squirreled away most of it or a good chunk of it and, and were able to retire young. So yeah, I mean, it's really, it, I truly believe that fire can be available to anybody, um, but it does take a little creativity on your part and you're not going to be driving the same car that your friends are necessarily driving or, or living in the same uh, high-end neighborhood where your friends are living. So there are some sacrifices involved if you want to use the S word. Uh, so, you know, speaking of retiring early, uh, the premise of that is that you have to have passive income, right? You have to have income coming from your investments. So tell us about some of your passive income strategies as someone who has been in this industry for a while um, and has, has a background in traditional finance, real estate investing, um, you're familiar with the FIRE movement. So yeah, I mean, what are some of your go-to strategies for passive income? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think we have a lot in common beyond just our, our first name. You know, our wives both <laughs> are, are working for that stable employer that bring in, that bring in the benefits and give us the, the freedom to do what we're doing. And for me, you know, as you mentioned with the entrepreneurial um, experience at wealthtender.com, um, you know, that in itself, I'm, I'm really optimistic. We're, we're seeing some really great momentum and it's been terrific to build relationships with a number of personal finance blog owners, podcast owners, and more recently financial advisors, financial coaches, and ultimately working to connect them with consumers. And as we build this platform, I'm optimistic that it will turn into a real business that will afford me the opportunity to enjoy life with less money stress, which is actually our, our slogan on the website. Um, while providing a lot of great benefits for the providers that are on our platform and the consumers that are leveraging it. So, um, you know, I think there's something to be said for diversifying, whether it's your portfolio of investments or as, you know, you and I are doing, we, we have diversified income streams. We have that stability of our wives, which is terrific and God bless them, as well as the entrepreneurial efforts that we have to, to try and complement that and perhaps someday even replace that income that they're bringing in. And separate from that, uh, you know, the real estate property in Austin is certainly a great way to uh, generate some more traditional passive income, if you will. And separate from that, um, you know, maybe not paying dividends in the, the true sense of the word dividend today, uh, but I am a big uh, fan of investing in the markets and whether it is investing in stocks or actually do a, a fair amount of angel investing as well. I think there are some really interesting opportunities that are out there. I love working with entrepreneurs that have that passion and drive to really grow a business from nothing. And it's been a lot of fun to participate in that area as well, which could pay dividends down the road. So that's interesting. You said that you do some angel investing. Uh, is that something that is open and available to the average American investor or do you need to be an accredited investor to do that? Uh, how does that work you know, for someone who's not familiar with uh, angel investing? Yeah, great question. Historically, you had to be an accredited investor and it was also much more difficult to identify where you could make an investment, even if you were an accredited investor. And then the check that you would need to write in order to invest in 
uh, generally any type of a startup was going to be 25,000 or perhaps more. And there's still certainly the opportunity to do that. You know, I'm an active member of the Houston Angel Network, which is a, a terrific group that has more of a traditional focus. But there are some terrific platforms that are out there today, which allow you, um, even as a, a non-accredited investor, through some of the, the Jobs Act and, and recent legislation over the last 10 plus years, that allows pretty much anybody to participate and do so at much smaller investment amounts. You know, that could even be you know, $1,000, maybe even less, but the opportunity to really participate in investing through, um, you know, startups or, uh, you know, some of these platforms like Seed Invest, I believe it's seedinvest.com, where you can invest in companies that might be, uh, you know, businesses in, in your local area where you're able to participate in the revenue that they're generating. And that actually might be a little bit more like an income stream because many of those are actually providing a percentage of the revenue as an income stream, as opposed to a percentage of equity. So there's some interesting models that are out there. Okay. And, you know, I, I assume that this is high risk, high reward investing. I mean, what, what have your experiences been with it? You know, what kind of returns have you seen? What kind of risk have you seen, you know, just personally with some of your own angel investments? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that's what's kind of fun. I mean, you do need to be thoughtful as to the, the level of risk. And so not putting all of those eggs in that one proverbial basket, but the opportunity and the, the payoff can potentially be quite significant down the road. You know, as I mentioned with Seed Invest, uh, you know, I think many of the deals that you would see there in your local community, admittedly, I have not done any of those, um, but are participating in the revenue from restaurants that might be starting up. And there, you know, you're truly eating your own cooking, where you have the opportunity to invest, get some type of a payback and feel truly invested in it. So I think that's a great way for people to start because you can really start to understand the, uh, the business clearly inside and out, the economics. And then for some of these more um, traditional angel investments, you know, they absolutely are incredibly high risk. Um, you know, there are opportunities in some instances to invest once the revenues are a little bit more stable. But at that point, you're likely um, not necessarily doing so much of a, an early stage investment with a really significant payoff, but rather just taking the opportunity to make hopefully still a good return um, as that company matures. But it's already reached that point where it's more of a stable business. Personally, I like to, um, from a stock market perspective, be a little bit more conservative, but then from a startup perspective, really swing for the fences, but doing so thoughtfully, you know, finding founders that are truly passionate, that have the experience, and, and in many instances, trying to invest in areas that I know. So as an example, I serve as an advisor to a company called Unest, which is an app that helps um, families uh, save money for their children's college or other uh, you know, savings goals that you might have out there. And for me, having the experience in the financial services space gave me additional um, comfort with my ability to both invest and serve as an advisor in an organization like that. So just as you might do in the stock market, trying to find things that you're familiar with, investing in what you know, that would definitely be my one tip if you are going down the path of angel investing is to uh, use it as an opportunity to become that much more astute in areas that you do know, take advantage of that experience and knowledge that you have to invest in things where you maybe have a little bit of an advantage versus somebody that doesn't have that knowledge of that particular area where that startup is uh, trying to focus and really grow. Plus that offers the opportunity to potentially play a role and, and add value potentially as an advisor where you can actually chip in and share some of that knowledge where you know you not only have the, the payback potential from uh, the investment itself, but the opportunity to contribute to the success of the organization, which is great too. 
Well, you know, that's a, that's a great answer on several levels. Um, I love that you said leverage your own expertise and experience, um, you know, invest in areas that you know well, because that can give you that competitive advantage. Um, and I really like what you said about how you kind of isolate risk in your portfolio, right? You have a, a more traditional conservative um, equity portfolio. Uh, I do the same thing. Uh, you know, I most, almost all of my, my stock investments are uh, index funds and, you know, not trying to get fancy with it. You know, it's just purely foundational. Uh, and then I, with a little bit of fun money, I go out and invest in some cryptocurrencies or, you know, pick stocks or some of that stuff. Um, but it's with a very small percentage of my portfolio. It's, um, you know, it's kind of shooting for the stars kind of stuff yeah. that you can feel comfortable with when you have a, a solid foundation um, on, uh, among fundamentals in, in your investing in your investments. So, uh, so tell us a little bit more about Wealth Tender. Uh, you know why you created it, your mission, and and why we should all be using it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate it. You know, the one of the things that I identified was that there are a lot of great websites that are out there that are focused on personal finance education, and what we were really trying to do is bring it all back to the human side of money and investing. So. In a world where a lot of people have said, well, just throw it all in a robo-advisor. You know, I think there's a, a place for robo-advisors, but money is such an emotional topic. And for many people, you know, when we've had a long bull market, putting everything in a robo-advisor, you know, may work well. But when we get into more of a, a rocky scenario or you have complex investment needs or, you know, estate planning needs, there's just so much more value that a financial advisor can provide that a robo-advisor naturally can't. And money is such an emotional topic. I think that will never be replaced by technology. So big believer in technology, think it's a great tool. And many financial advisors are heavily relying upon all sorts of technology. But ultimately, the real value that I believe financial advisors can provide these days is more of that emotional aspect and really helping people understand the behavioral issues and, and helping people invest smarter, which may have less to do increasingly going forward with where you're actually investing because they've already used technology and identified really smart and thoughtful portfolios, but really thinking about how best to position yourself for success just based upon um, you know, all of the different assets that you bring to the table, the ways that you can diversify your you know, income streams even, and, and as well as your um, you know, equity across you know, a number of different platforms and opportunities. Well, that's a great answer. Um, and I love that you said that investment advisors are not necessarily there to, to pick stocks for you or to, or to set your portfolio for you because, you know, an algorithm actually can do that uh, just as well as, as a human being. But the algorithm is not going to talk you off the ledge when the market drops 10% in a day and everyone right. starts panicking right? and, and starts thinking about selling off all their stocks. Um, a human advisor hopefully will talk you off the ledge from, from panic selling or making these bad financial decisions. So, uh, no, I, I, I do appreciate that. As much of a, a fan of robo-advisors as I am, uh, there are limitations to what they can do. And human advisors uh, bring that emotional component to the table. They also can have a more nuanced conversation with you about uh, your finances as a whole. You know, they can have that holistic conversation with you. Uh, and to your point, uh, include estate planning and some of, and maybe tax planning and some of these other uh, components of it, as opposed to just picking the the funds. I mean, any of us can invest in an index fund, right? So yeah, 
Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, investing, you know, a robo-advisor can do that well. But again, you know, as you talk a lot about with Spark Rental, you know, the opportunity for real estate, you know, it's probably rare if any robo-advisor that really understands how to incorporate real estate into a broader portfolio or asset allocation. And then beyond that, you know, on the website, we've got a lot of great personal finance blogs, podcasts, as well as financial coaches. So we really want to be able to help people no matter their income or stage of life and ultimately graduate to where they're working with a financial advisor, but be able to serve people no matter where they are. Well, I want to be sensitive to your time here, um, but before we wrap things up, I, I want to hear your best lessons or tips for people out there who are pursuing financial independence, who maybe want to retire early. Um, what, what if you could tell them three things, three core lessons, that will save them all kinds of heartache <laughs> down the road. Uh, what, what would those three lessons be? Okay, let's see. Um, you know, for one, uh, it, it's certainly you can always look in, in the mirror and rely upon yourself for a lot of great ideas, but I highly recommend taking advantage of people that have perhaps walked in your shoes already. And if you go to wealthcenter.com slash fire, we have a guide to financial independence, retire early, fire blogs. And one of the things I would suggest is that the vast majority of those blogs are written by people who have walked in your shoes and they're, they're now sharing their experiences. So, you know, you may find one that doesn't resonate as much as another, but you can generally find with so many great blogs that are out there, somebody that really resonates, subscribe, and ultimately become that much more um, passionate as you become part of a community that shares, you know, your common interests. And then two, I think, again, you know, as we talk about investing in what you know, um, you know, I think that that holds true for more than just investing. I think in general, you know, being really mindful as to where your strengths are and reinvesting in those where it makes sense. So as it pertains to investing, we talk about investing in things, you know, but throughout life, I, I think any of these different areas that are going to play into financial independence down the road, um, find those where you have that expertise and knowledge and, and you're good at doing it yourself, but otherwise, um, find areas where you can really lean on others and don't be afraid to ask a lot of questions, listen and learn. I, I think that would be the other is to just really you know, listen and learn. And then finally, um, I, I think, uh, man, I may have lost it. So maybe a couple <laughs> there, but uh, what was the other? If it so, comes to me, I'll let you know. So to recap what you said so far, you said uh, go out there and don't reinvent the wheel, right? You know, get get advice and help from people who have been there before um, because that can save you a lot of work and a lot of mistakes. Yeah. Uh, you also said invest in your area of, of expertise um, because you do have a competitive advantage there. Um, so just, that, just to recap what you already so, said. Yeah, the, the third I would offer if I got, let's see, where's my three in there, is uh, you know patience and being proactive. So you know already just if you're listening to this or if you are subscribed to a blog or you're just being proactive in terms of your financial independence mindset, that in itself is going to pay dividends down the road because if you're not proactive about you know this fire movement and, and really focused on what it takes to achieve financial independence, then it's really going to be difficult to get there. And related to that, is just being proactive and uh, patient as well. And, you know, recognizing that a lot of this takes time. And, you know, you may, if you have a lot of credit card debt that's out there, need to focus on that, walk before you can run. But patience is another uh, certainly attribute that I think will pay dividends down the road for somebody that's pursuing FIRE. Excellent advice. Uh, you know, even, even people pursuing the FIRE movement, you're not going to retire overnight. You're not going to reach financial independence overnight. It does take patience. Um, you know, we're talking about, 
being able to retire in, in five or 10 years uh, as opposed to 40 years. Um, but five or 10 years is still a significant amount of time and it still takes yep. patience uh, and it takes discipline in automating those those savings and investments each month and uh, you know doing all the right things every single month, month in and month out. Um, so no, that's great advice. Well, Brian Thorpe, thank you so much for joining us today. This was a lot of fun and we hope to have you back on the show soon. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you so much, Brian. Have a good one. All right, guys, we will see you next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern. Shoot us over your topic request because this is about you guys. It's not about us. And a uh, quick announcement. We will be hosting a webinar next Thursday, June 24th uh, with Mark Podolsky, the land geek, about how to invest in raw land. So, uh, Brian, thank you again, and we will see you guys next week. Did you know we offer a free eight-video course on how to reach financial independence with real estate? It's super bingeable with each video around 10 minutes long, but packed with information. Visit sparkrental.com slash learn for instant access. And please don't forget to rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us, and we will catch you on the flip side. Shh.